learn to give dynamic presentations when you speak up, and fi financial fitness with yours, mine, and ours coming up in the Hour of Power with Cynthia Bryan, your personal growth success coach right here on Star Style. Be the star you are. Pull up a chair. You'll love the show. You'll find all you need in the light that shines. Believe in yourself and all that you do, and you'll be the star Hey, have you got a minute? Huh? I'm going to say a word. You tell me what comes to mind. Are you ready? Okay. Tchaikovsky. Okay, what's the word? No, see, that is the word. What does Tchaikovsky make you think of? I don't know. Allergy season? Uh, hey there, how you doing? What's up? Who's Martha Graham? Mm, she invented the graham cracker. No kidding. Yeah, before her there was only soda crackers. Hard to imagine. Uh, hey young lady? Yeah? Uh, does the name Man Ray mean anything to you? Ta. The man ray is a kind of poisonous jellyfish, and it lives in the Gulf of Mexico. Aha! Uh -huh. It's very deadly. Are your kids as well-rounded as they could be? Kids who participate in the arts do better in school and in life. To learn more about the value of arts education, visit AmericansForTheArts.org. Because all kids should get to appreciate Tchaikovsky's music, Martha Graham's dance, and man ray's photography. Art. Ask for more. A public service message brought to you by Americans for the Arts and the Ad Council. You're listening to World Talk Radio, where the world comes to talk. Welcome to our party into radio's finest hour of positive book talk. Star Style, be the star you are. My name is Cynthia Bryan. I'm always excited to be your personal growth success coach. Right here on the airwaves, bringing you the authors, the experts, and the professionals that will help you enjoy a more fulfilled life, live better, and live fair and square. So get ready to pump your energy. Love, learn, laugh, listen, and live your dreams through these great books and positive media because we are a show about following your heart, doing what you love. We're called Champagne for the Spirit, and it's brought to you by Be the Star You Are, a nonprofit corporation, and produced by Star Style Productions. Well, we have a totally dynamic broadcast for you today. In just a minute, you're going to meet consumer advocate and author of Unscrewed, Ron Burley, who will share his legal methods to get what you paid for. It's a great book. You're going to want it out on your bookshelf. In segment two, I'm going to give you a couple of tips on how to create powerful presentations that will help you speak up. And in our Tea for Two, a mother-daughter brew segment, Heather and I are offering financial fitness with tips on creating yours, mine, and ours account to keep your relationships on track. Well, my purpose in providing you this radio show is to communicate to you that you already possess everything you need to be the writer, the producer, the director, and the star of your own life. We have three rules. Smile, have fun, and be willing to be wild and crazy. And, of course, we want you to read books. Sometimes they're books you haven't heard of, but once we bring them to you, you're definitely going to want them. We also want you to uh, grab the books that I've written. I have uh, four bestsellers, Chicken Soup for the Gardener's Soul. Be the Star You Are, Business of Show Business, and Miracle Moments. For more information, to get autographed copies, you can go to star-style.com and proceeds benefit this radio show and the charity. Our motto is to be a leader, you must be a reader. The Miracle Moment for today is brought to you by the charity Be the Star You Are. If you would like to sponsor the program or get involved, please call 877-944-STAR or visit be the star you are dot org. 
And this is by Peter Drucker. In every success story, you will find someone who has made a courageous decision. How true that is. Well, every week, Be The Star You Are showcases these amazing authors and experts who enhance and inspire your life. Be The Star You Are is a 501c3 charity dedicated to empowering women, families, and youth through improved literacy and positive message programming like this show. Again, visit the website, bethestarur.org. Well, on to our first interview. I'm so excited to interview this guy. Ron Burley has worked as a broadcast journalist for over 15 years. And the first time he got screwed in a business deal, he used his researching skills to get what he truly deserved. He is the author of Unscrewed, The Consumer's Guide to Getting What You Paid For by 10 Speed Press. He's also the on-your-side columnist for the largest circulation magazine in the world, AARP, and he is actually here with us today to share his message of being unscrewed. Welcome, Ron, to Be the Star You Are. Oh, thank you very much for having me, Cynthia. It's, it's a pleasure to be on your show. I am excited to talk to you because you said in your book, every four seconds a consumer is being duped by some unscrupulous company, and I feel, of course, now with your book, uh, Unscrewed, there's truly help. And, you know, it was so amazing because yesterday I called uh, Heather Brittany, who is a co-host on another segment, and told her you were going to be on. She goes, oh, my gosh, I just got screwed from Cold Stone uh, Creamery. And, it's, <laughs> you know, it was, it was really something because she went on for half an hour talking about the coupon that had been sent to her in the mail, and when she tried to use it, she actually paid like twice what she was supposed to. And so how appropriate that you have written this book. Um, let's talk about your five steps, and maybe you want to share some of your stories because they really happen to you or to your friends, and there is a way to get what's fair. Well, first of all, Cynthia, you know, every four seconds, as you mentioned, someone in this country is being taken advantage of by an unscrupulous company or corporation. It, Seven million Americans every year. It's, it's really unbelievable. And we've all been there. We've bought a product that we put our hard-earned money on the counter in good faith that we're going to get the same in return, good value. And then what happens? We, we get it home, and it doesn't work. And then all we want to do is get our money's worth. We're not trying to bankrupt the company or anything like this. We just want to get the product or service that we paid for. And in some cases, now 90% of the companies are out there doing a fair job, but if only 10% of the companies that you deal with every year, 30 or 40 companies every year, give you a hard time about this, that means you're going to be screwed three to four times every year. And what I wrote in this book, Unscrewed the Consumer's Guide to Getting What You Paid For, is a way for the average person, you know, without screaming or yelling or spitting at great distances, to be able to level the playing field of the corporation, to not get through voicemail, but to entirely sidestep it, to quickly get what you paid for and get out of there and go on and live your life. Because the last thing that you or I want to do is to take that precious free time. By the way, I value my free time and your free time at at least twice what you get paid to work because it's the time we spend with our families. And well, and children. you actually, in your book, you put a dollar amount on the time that we are spending trying to get unscrewed. And, you know, until I read this, 
Ron, I never really thought about it in that way. I just knew that I've always been frustrated, and then you get in that voicemail, you know, that maze of, you know, push this button if you speak English and this button if you speak Chinese. And if you're an average person, you know, and you're working a 40-hour week, you get off, you come home, you may have at best a couple hours with your kids. And if you're spending 45 minutes on hold with your bank or your credit card company or your cell phone company, you know, they've taken that time away from you. And it's time that you shouldn't have had to spend because you've already paid them your good money. That's right. And And they should be taking care of you. They should be taking care of you because that's the promise. When you put your money on the counter... They're going to provide a good product. And there are so many things that companies are doing these days. And I deal with in the book. I mean, one of them, in the book you probably read it. Oh, I read the whole book and and it's all highlighted. A woman buys a camera to take wedding photos the next day, a digital camera. Well, she buys it, gets it home. A half hour later, she realizes it doesn't work. She tries to take it back to the store. Well, the store says, no, 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 no. All returns go to the company. This is a very common thing these days, and it's one of the things that I battle in AA, and I call them in AARP, too, because this is the hidden contract that in the box that you buy, it says, do not return it to the store, return it to the manufacturer. You know, but, I've seen that several times, and fortunately, it has, I haven't had to deal with that, but I was wondering, why is that? I mean, aren't the stores supposed to be taking it back? Well, they are supposed to, and as a matter of fact, this is one of the secrets. I have several tips that I give away just because they're so important. One of them is that every store that accepts a credit card is mandated to provide a 30-day return policy. Oh, now there's a hot tip. Under the contract with the credit card companies, they are mandated to provide 30-day return. It's part of the contract. If you've ever been had a merchant account with Visa or American Express, you must do that. Because this is the way that they handle their charge customers that file a complaint about a service or product. It, it allows them to resolve the situation quickly. But everybody with a merchant account, whether it's the smallest corner store all the way up to Microsoft, they must provide a 30-day return policy. Now, see, that's valuable information. And, see, this is what I think is so important about your book, is that you're offering information that we didn't normally know because we're always trying to be the good person. You know, we don't want to get in an argument and all of that stuff. It's, it's our nature that we want to believe and trust, and also we like to follow instructions. Yes, and, yes. One of the and you first... talk about breaking the rules. So. <laughs> <laughs> breaking the rules nicely, because as, as you know, having read the book, that the quickest way to increase your chances is just to change the phone number that you're calling. If you call customer service and you're put on hold for five minutes, hang up. I tell you, hang up. You're not going to spend your time there. The next number you call is the sales department, and you immediately increase your chances 400% for three reasons. First of all, you're going to be talking with the company that you're doing business with because one of the dark secrets or not really a secret of customer service these days is that it's subcontracted. And so you're not even dealing with the company that you are uh, complaining about. You're no, because you, you, you may be dealing with and, and Microsoft is a fine firm, and, but you call Microsoft and you actually end up with customer service in Bangalore, India. And it's a subcontracted firm, and they're looking at a screen which really doesn't give them any more information than you can see on your own help file on your screen. 
So first of all, you're dealing with a company that you want to do business with. Secondly, the phone's going to get answered right away. Why? They want to make sales. Salespeople don't put you on hold for 45 minutes. They answer the phone right away. And the third reason you're going to get satisfaction more promptly is because the person you're talking to is not trained to make you go away. They're trained to create happy customers. So what you say in the book is that customer service in this day and age for a majority, well, maybe it's not majority, but a, a large amount of companies, they're actually trained to make you go away because there's a dollar amount that the company puts on you. And unfortunately, they really don't care. Well, well, this is the thing is that, you know, the best example of this and the most horrendous example, because we get the most complaints about one particular industry, and it's the cell phone industry. Cell phone, yeah, telephone is crazy. And the reason why, and in researching the book, I discovered that in the last year of record, in 2004, the three largest cell phone companies lost a third of their customers in a year. And they don't even care. These are successful companies, and you're right, they don't care. And the reason why is that if you call customer service, it costs them, on average, $20 to take care of you. That's the cost of actually giving you what you paid for, uh, paying the person who's answering the phone, the technology involved in doing all that. But what they figured out is that for only in $4 in advertising costs, they can replace you. So literally, they can replace you for 20% of the cost of taking care of you. So why do they want to keep you? They're all looking for the biggest group of sheep. And this is actually a business model taught at Harvard Business School. It's called churn. And it's one of the things that is really taking customer service into the depth because companies really have figured out that from their perspective, it's more profitable to get rid of you than to take care of you. And what we do in the unscrewed world, is we turn that, on, turn that on its ear. We convince companies that it's going to cost them more to ignore you than to take care of you. And, and in 16 chapters... some of your techniques, Ron, because one of the things that I really, really loved is the fact that my civic duty to inform <laughs> other people about the way that you're doing business because I don't want other people to suffer what I have suffered... You know, we always think about revenge. I'm so angry. You know, I want to do something. I mean, my Heather was saying with this, it only cost, ended up costing her, uh, it was like a $20, a $20 bill with, um, what is it called? Stone. Yes, yeah, the Coldstone Creamery, but it was only supposed to be $4 because she had the coupon. She was so angry. She wanted to start a blog. She was going to, you know, she, she really wants to let everybody know, don't patronize Coldstone. And here I am with 5 million listeners, and I'm saying don't patronize Coldstone. They screwed her out of $15. (laughs) Well, one of the things, and unscrewed the consumer's guide to getting what you paid for, I talk about, is first of all, you know, you don't get angry, scream, or yell. That's an instant disqualification. You don't make personal comments because that allows them to label you a problem customer, and they put it in the journal, and you'll never get satisfaction. What you want to do is stay very businesslike and also realize that getting a letter of apology from a corporation, which is really a fictional entity created by the state, is meaningless. You're not going to bankrupt them. So the only reasonable thing to ask for is monetary satisfaction. What did it cost you? What do you want? And so if it's $20, you ask for $20, and you only spend $20 of your time trying to claim $20. 
And as you said earlier in the show, is you figure out what your hourly rate is and you multiply that times two so that you know how much time it's taking you to the, of $20 of time. You don't want to spend a whole day chasing 50 cents lost in a, in a soda machine. Right. Exactly, exactly. On, on, on the other side here, though, I mean, what we're talking about is that you can, there are techniques in the book, like I said, 16 true stories in the book where you can get what you paid for because when you're talking with a company, if you can convince them that it will cost them more to ignore you than to take care of you, they will make the wise business decision. Well, will you stay with us in the second part of um, our hour here because I want to talk about some of those techniques with you because you have them down pat from the manila envelope to <laughs> the posters to just, you know, standing out in front of the store and handing out flyers. I think it's all incredible what you do to get the truth with customer service. We're talking to Ron Burley. Will you stay with us, Ron? Absolutely. Oh, great. His book is called Unscrewed, The Consumer's Guide to Getting What You Paid For. It is a fantastic book. And he's going to be with us in our second segment, so stay with us. We'll be right back. You're listening to Cynthia Bryan and Ron Burley on Star Style. Be the star you are. Back in a second. all I ever dreamed this business of show business is no stroll in the park. This business like no business can hold you in the dark. World Talk Radio. I'm Mary Hart, and this is Empowering America. She was born in Newark, New Jersey in 1924. She was blessed with a beautiful voice. And by 19, young Sarah had entered and won an amateur hour contest at Harlem's famous Apollo Theater. A year later, singer Billy Eckstein invited her to join his new group, featuring the legendary Charlie Parker, Dizzy Gillespie, and Miles Davis. Sarah, now nicknamed Sassy, dazzled all with the amazing flexibility of her voice. At 20 years old, she cut her first record and was fast becoming a legend among her fellow musicians. She joined Mercury Records in 1954 and embarked on the most prolific years of her career. Over the next three decades, Sassy toured the world and cut more records, her last in 1987. Three years later, in 1990, Sarah Sassy Vaughn passed away, leaving a gaping hole in the world of music. Empowering America is sponsored by the Foundation of American Women in Radio and Television and is made possible by the generous support of AT&T, caring for the communities where we live and work. Business Bites. Here's Cynthia Bryan. Do you know the power of a thank you? When employees put in long hours to complete important projects, it is imperative to recognize these people with a heartfelt thank you. One idea is for a company president to send handwritten thank you notes to the family of the employee explaining how much work was appreciated and how thanking the family for putting up with the inconvenience is important. Another idea is to hold a special breakfast, a lunch, or a gathering in honor of the hard work of the team. Recognize input and hard work. A company will retain employees and have a more dedicated workforce with a sense of personal involvement and personal empowerment. Appreciate those who make your company successful, your employees, your suppliers, and your customers. Thank yous go a long way to establishing loyalty and goodwill. Remember, you are the star of your own performance. Turn your passions into profits. I'm Cynthia Bryan with another Business Bite from Star Style. Listen. 
world is talking. World Talk Radio. for staying with us. You're listening to the Hour of Power on Star Style. Be the star you are with me, Cynthia Bryan, your personal growth success expert. And with us is Ron Burley. He is a consumer advocate. He is the author of a fabulous book called Unscrewed, The Consumer's Guide to Getting What You Paid For. And he's also the uh, consumer advocate columnist for ARP Magazine on your side. And I picked up a copy of the magazine, and there was a great article he uh, wrote in there, a question and answer, called Hotel Hell. Ron, you were awesome in getting these people back what they deserved from a hotel that they booked. Thank you very much. And, of course, course that's a great story. Um, An American veteran goes to an Air Force uh, memorial in Washington, D.C., and checks into a hotel. Well, the night before they'd had a party in it, obviously. There was urine on the floor. and But the hotel just, you know, thoughtlessly didn't take care of him the way that he and his family should have been taken care of. And it was really... I consider this a pleasure to be able to go to bat for these people that really deserve. And, and in this case, uh, I mean, Mr. Williamson, um, he, he served his country well. And to be able to, you know, get for him and his family what they deserve. I mean, I can't give them a quality vacation back or a quality trip to Washington, D.C., but to get a letter of apology from the corporation and a full refund for their stay was uh, really rewarding to do. Well, I and was so impressed, Ron, because here they had gone to an Air Force Memorial dedication in, in Washington, D.C., had made these reservations, had asked for a handicapped accessible room, and then when they, they reported to the front desk that every, the room was in terrible um, shape, that it smelled of, of urine, that the faucets weren't working, that the, the doors wouldn't lock, everything. But the front desk did absolutely nothing, and they just shined them on, and their bill was $1,070, yeah. and you got it back for them. Well, and you know, this is one of the wonderful things that has come out of this book, is the relationship with AARP. You know, a fantastic organization. I mean, 33 million members, and more than 80 million people read the magazine. As you said, it's the largest circulation magazine in the world. And... To have them on your side uh, in a situation like this, I mean, people really listen. And you know, it's, it's, it's really fantastic to have that leverage um, and to be working with such a fantastic organization. But, you know, in, in, in the book, there are techniques that even an individual and without the cloud of AARP can use. And, you know, you mentioned, you know, constitutional right of free speech because that's the real important thing here is that when you go into a company – you, you, you can't be looking to bankrupt them. You can't be looking to shake them down or ask for anything that you don't deserve. You can't even be looking to harm their business because that could be actionable in court. But one of the things, and the secret to getting unscrewed, as you know, is exercising your constitutionally guaranteed right of free speech to tell your true story. And that means not to, to exaggerate, but tell your true story of how you've been treated and in many different ways. Well, you have five P's 
in the book, Unscrewed. And it's called The Unscrewed Solution. And it's not very complex, but I would really love you to go through some of these five Ps because the, obviously even how you were able to get the $1,000 refunded to um, Mr. Williamson, this is how people can do it for themselves. So we have the first, um, is, first P is the Unscrewed Principle. Then the unscrewed purpose, unscrewed promise, unscrewed power tools, and the unscrewed plan. So would you talk briefly about what is the difference between each of those and how the normal consumer, like just me, could go out and, you know, make this useful, use my constitutional right of free speech and be able to at least be fair and not be screwed? Well, for example, the principle that a company will only do what's in its financial self-interest, that means... They don't care about anything personal, um, how much you were really hurt or injured or embarrassed or anything else. They will only do what's in their financial best interest. And so what we have to do, our purpose, the second P, is to reclaim money, assets, or equity while minimizing our time or effort. And we do that by utilizing the promise, the third P. What we tell the company is that it will cost much more to ignore me than to take care of me, and I'm willing to spend an unlimited amount of time and energy to get what I'm due. Now, do we really have to do that, Cynthia? No, we don't. Well, and I love it the way you say, you know, when you you very calmly say to someone, you know, since my operation, I have so much time on my hands, and my wife has said, I need a hobby. And I think I'm going to make you my hobby. How would you like to be my hobby? <laughs> I thought this was brilliant. Nobody wants to be anybody's hobby. <laughs> and, you know, I tell a story in the book about my wife, Holly, who went to the Turst store to get a set of Michelin tires. And they did the old bait and switch on her and gave her a set of track stones. And she came home and she was so happy. You know, she'd, she'd gone to the tire store and taken it all of herself because, you know, she, typically, she'd let me take care of those things. Right. And I hardly had the heart to tell her that the tires she'd gotten for $50 less weren't worth a quarter of the price. Yeah, and you said they weren't even going to go the 20,000 miles. So. No, no, because we looked them up on the Internet and found out that they were just a, you know, a knockoff tire. And so I called up the manager of the store and said, you know, we're willing to pay for it, but give us the Michelins that, that my wife asked for. He said, no, you've driven out of the tire store. Those are yours. I said, it's a tire store, not a shoe store. Well, he didn't want to listen. So I went into my home office. I ripped out a page from the yellow pages, copied it a dozen times. And to each of those copies of the yellow page, I stapled a $20 bill. It was a copy of the the full-page ad of their number one competitor, which coincidentally was across the street. (laughs) So then my wife and I get in the car, and we drive back down to the tire store. And I have these copies with the $20 bill stapled on in a manila folder. And I walk around the 10 people waiting in line to the edge of the counter, and I ask for Mike, the manager. He comes over, and I say, Mike, my name is Ron Burley. And he says, Mr. Burley, I've already told you. I've, I've already told you. And I said, excuse me. I'm not here to argue with you. I'm just here to, to make a business proposition. And I said, you can give me the tires my wife asked for and put them on the truck. Or, and I opened the folder, said, I'm going to tell my true story to the ten people waiting in line and give them one of these. He looks down at the folder, looks up at me, and of course, in that second, 
He does an equation in his head. If I manage to lose him only one customer out of that line, it's going to cost him more than to deal with me. And he immediately says, He looks oh, at me and says, Mr. Burley, please have your, car pull, pull her, have your wife pull her car around back. We'll be happy to take care of you. And you I, have story after story in your book like this. And the interesting thing is, is that I related to all of your stories, Ron. I think every, you know, every ordinary person runs into this, from the telephone company to, you know, your cable service to your tire store, that either you're just not getting satisfaction on something that happened. However, at the end of your book, you also highlight three companies that you were really thrilled with, Starbucks, Circuit City, and the company that you bought this mower, which was, I was shocked with that, after spending $3,000, because I grew up on a farm, and I know how you can really, really tramp yeah. Country home products, you've seen their products advertised, the DR trimmer and DR mower. Yeah, they're fantastic. This is a fantastic company. I mean, six months, I beat that thing up and then decided it was too much mower, and they took it back. Yeah. It was amazing. But you know what? I've told that story in seminars and in a hundred radio interviews, and I imagine that they've gotten tenfold, maybe a hundredfold back on that investment of that well, one. Well, and Circuit City, I, you know, I, that, I didn't even know that Circuit City had that kind of policy. And now, it, when, as soon as I read that, I thought, wow, that's where I want to do my consumer electronics. And you know what? If you think about it now by what I told you about credit card companies, Having a 30-day no-questions-asked-return policy, that's just what they're mandated to do by the credit card company. Right. So there should be no, uh, should be no question. And what they do is they just do it with a smile. Mm-hmm. They say, yes, sir. Instead no of making we'll you jump through loop. And Starbucks was the surprising one, actually the most amazing one, because I had this coffee maker for an indeterminate period of time. I had no idea how long. I couldn't even remember which store I actually bought it at. And it stopped working, and I called them. And before I even was able to finish my story, he said, do you know where the 18th Street location is? I said, yes. He says, well, they've got one in stock. Would you mind holding while I check and and, and see? He calls the store. He says, the manager's name is Jeff. Um, Go and see him. He has one waiting for you. And I was like, what? I didn't have to tell them a story or anything. And the reason why is they knew I must have bought the product from them. And did it, re- you know that did it really matter when? And you're going to frequent this and tell everybody about it. I've got a follow-up for you, which is really scary, because two months ago, you know, I'm a coffee drinker. I live in, north, in the Northwest, in Oregon, of course. Okay, we, you know, um, I have the little espresso machine. And so after putting that story in the book, I have to call Starbucks again because the handle broke on the espresso machine. And I'm like, oh, gosh, after giving them such praise, I know they're going to let me down. So I call up the number, and I start telling the woman at the, at the other end of the line my story about the handle breaking on the espresso machine, and she interrupts me. She says, do you still live on Briggs Hill Road? And I go, yes. She says, would second day air be okay? Oh, God. And I said, why, yes, it would. <laughs> yes, it would be great. Well, see, what? Those are wonderful. So you'll, in volume two of Unscrewed, or Unscrewed again, you will be writing about this. And this is the way more companies should be. And this well, is Ron, I want to thank you for being a guest on our show. Uh, I, let's give out your website, would you please? 
It's unscrewed.biz. That's unscrewed.biz. The title of the book is Unscrewed, The Consumer's Guide to Getting What You Paid For, available in all the major bookstores, online at Amazon.com. And, Cynthia, it's an absolute pleasure to be on your show. Thank you very much. Well, Ron, thank you for writing this book. And I want to just tell all my listeners, go out and get this book as fast as you possibly can. This has to be on everybody's nightstand because I know everyone in America is getting screwed every, you know, someone's getting screwed every four seconds. And Ron is your consumer advocate. And for all of you ARP members, you are lucky right now because you have on your side Ron Burley, who is a consumer advocate. Go to www.onscrewed.biz. Again, the name of his book, Unscrewed, The Consumer's Guide to Getting What You Paid For. Ron, I'm calling you when I have a problem. You're, my, you're going to be my ace in the hole. You are fabulous. <laughs> Let's do this again, Cynthia. Thank you very much. Thank you so much for being on the show. Well, that was Ron Burley, and now I wanted to talk to you a little bit about uh, speaking up because I get a lot of questions about how to do presentations. And as a professional coach that teaches presentations, I thought, you know, I'll take a few minutes and give you some tips because you don't have to be a professionally paid speaker to be a popular and skilled public speaker. But by doing public speaking in your community, you're going to attract more business and you probably want to attract more business. Here's a couple uh, benefits that you could get from public speaking. Establish your expertise by lecturing. You can design seminars for your clients. You can generate referrals and you can preside over meetings. Now, the three major points of a presentation are preparation, practice, and passion. And no matter how large or how small the presentation, being prepared will ease your heart palpations. So you want to create an outline of the points you wish to cover, and then you can add pertinent information. You want to list priority items first in case you run out of time. And then, of course, you need to have a lot of filler items to use if you finish too early. And you want to use your own stories. You know, you can get books with lots of stories in them, but the bottom line is is everybody has heard them. I, I know that I personally am tired of going to seminars with the same old, same old stories over and over, and a lot of professional speakers do that. So, so take a day, go to the beach, or, you know, sit in a chair, or light a fire, do whatever is cozy, and write out some things from your own life. Your stories may not be interesting to you, but they may help you connect to an audience, and they may be interesting to an audience, and therefore, they're going to make more sense than using somebody else's. Now, there are four crucial ingredients to every speech. Of course, we have the beginning. The beginning is the most important part. You want to begin without notes. It's very important that you memorize or speak from your heart and memorize the first three or four minutes of your speech. I believe in speaking from your heart, just knowing your stuff so well, only talking about what you really know. And when you really know it, you don't need notes. In the first few minutes, you want to comment on the introduction. You want to thank whoever introduced you. You want to thank the audience for coming and for inviting you to speak. You should give a compliment to the audience, a sincere compliment. Hopefully you have mingled a little bit beforehand with people and you know something about them. You want to ask if they're comfortable. Uh, show them that you care about them. Get the audience to applause with something, a question that you ask, and hopefully get them to laugh, not with a joke, but with something that you find that's humorous, maybe 
even something self-deprecating. And then you ask a question. I always like to uh, start with a question because this encourages participation. The second part of your speech is called the bridge. It's you're going to tell the audience what they're going to learn, you're going to announce your topic, and you kind of give an outline. Then you go into the middle. This is when you tell the audience what you want them to learn. You've already told them what they will learn. Now you start giving them the, the meat and potatoes. Be strong. Give them the information. Give them the details. Refer to any handouts that you have. Use any speaker's tools that you might have brought along, maybe a PowerPoint presentation or you may have charts. This is the time that you do that. And during this middle is when you give them everything that they're going to need to know. And then, of course, your closing is your ending. It's the second most important part of your speech. You need to tell the audience what they have learned. You restate the points. You always close on time. And you have an educational speeches. You may even want to say, in conclusion, this is what we have learned. But you're going to outline it for them so that basically you have told them what you're going to tell them, then you tell them, and then you tell them what you told them. Always allow the audience to leave with something, whether it's a handout, a sample, something to take home, something concrete. If they leave empty-handed, you've kind of stolen their time that they can never be replaced. Always save your best story and your best slides for last. Ask for questions. Deliver your final statement, indicating you really want to work with the audience, not against them, and it's a togetherness now. End at the front of the podium. If possible, walk around. Don't be standing or hiding behind it. Lower your head, look up, smile, and say thank you in a lower voice. So if you just to recap, the beginning is the most important. The ending is the second most important. And those are the greatest two moments of impact. And the middle is filled with all your information. So remember that you are always the star of your own performance. Bring props. Have a good time, smile a lot, be prepared, practice, and speak passionately about what you know. And before long, you're going to enjoy giving presentations. The payoff of publicity and increased profits will start to roll in, and you'll never be petrified of public speaking again. Stay with us. We're going to come back with a financial fitness in our T for Two with Heather Brittany. I'm Cynthia Bryan. You're listening to Star Style and Be the Star You Are. We'll be back in just a minute. Says all I want to be dancing in Broadway show. World Talk Radio. Hear that? You just gotta love that sound. Really, it's one of this country's great treasures. The unmistakable sound of a nice California Chardonnay. There's nothing like it. Well, except of course for the sound of nails pounding lumber, building new homes across America, or steaks sizzling on the grill. In fact, 40% of American products are shipped by freight railroads. From computers to produce, we even carry trucks. Really, chances are the things you'll use tomorrow are taking the train today. 70% of new American cars, 40% of the grain harvest. More Americans depend on us than ever. Freight railroads contribute more than $31 billion a year to the U.S. economy. And since one freight train carries a load of up to 500 trucks, that means less fuel, less traffic. A better environment, a better tomorrow. Tomorrow, arriving by train. Sponsored by North America's Freight Railroads. You're listening to World Talk Radio, where the world comes to talk. Welcome back. 
Welcome back to Star Style. Be the star you are. This is our Tea for Two, a mother-daughter brew segment. I'm Cynthia Bryan, and with me is my fabulous co-host, my best friend, and my daughter, Heather Brittany. Hello, hello. Well, Heather, we told your story of cold stone when we were just talking to Ron Hurley, the consumer advocate for ARP and the author of Unscrewed. So before 5 million people and everybody else, they learned that you got uh, screwed out of about $20 when you had a coupon. Exactly. I Unfortunately, I was in class, so I didn't get to hear how you did my rant and rave, but it was just astounding. One, one I, I don't want to diss the company by any means. I, you know, they, they're good for that. People enjoy them. But it's something very special about it. It just seemed like a nice treat, you know, taking someone out to ice cream. And even when I first got there and presented uh, the girl with the coupon saying, I have a coupon for this, um, she said, oh, yeah, sure, go ahead. So, of course, you know, I ordered the largest size. I'm going to get, you know, the full, you know, I'm going to pay a lot for one. You know, it seems more beneficial. And then she says, oh, no, no, like, uh, it's supposed to be a difference. It just went on and on. And by the well, end. What amazed me, and I didn't tell Ron this part, is but you being the sweetheart that you are, after uh-huh. she screwed you, you even tipped her. Well, well I would have never, you know, I know, I know what it's like to be in the service industry. And it, her, you know, her being so on the book of, oh, you know, actually, you know, actually, I can't it's do this. Or, and charge well, and that's because what she wasn't doing policy and that could, yeah, that could affect, you know, their job. Because some bosses are very stickler. In my mind, I would have seen it as better customer service if she said, well, you know what, this says, Really, it's only for a medium, but, you know, I, since it, it, we're closing in 10 minutes, since, you know, you've already purchased all this other stuff, you know, I'll let it slide. You know, it's, what, a 30-cent difference or something. Right, right. But because some people, you know, their boss could, you know, that could be, they could lose their job, and I don't know her financial situation and how valuable this job is to her. So I understand that, that it wasn't a personal attack against me, but at the same time, this was a, a coupon that had been put out into the community where they were probably, you know, receiving at least two people a day coming in with the same coupon that she would know from the second I showed her the coupon, she would say, and I, then I or, what I ordered, she would say, well, actually, this is for uh, this and this right. and this it seems before that she put me in that situation. This, I think this is what Ron would have called a bait and switch. They get you to come in there to buy something, and they say, oh, sure, order what you want, and then you go to pay, and they go, oh, sorry, this isn't what we're going to do. And, of course, in his book on Scrooge has a lot of ways to get around that. Well, we're going to get to our topic because you're out uh, 20 bucks now, which is having your finances down, and that's fantastic. We're trying to do a financial fitness today, and our topic is uh, what we're talking about is yours, mine, and ours. And what I mean by this is when my parents got married back in 1948, Neither my mom or my dad had any money at all, so they opened a bank account with an initial investment of around $50, and until the day my daddy died, their only accounts were joint accounts. They always had our accounts. It was their money together, and there was never anything as individuals. Well, today we live in a different society. Both men and women are in the workforce, and to maintain a balance of power and a balance of financial fitness, it's smarter to have what Heather and I would call yours, mine, and ours. So in this uh, few minutes that we have together, we want to share with you kind of a structure for creating a balance in your relationships 
with a framework for independence that will foster a sense of partnership because each person starts a marriage or a new relationship with intangible financial baggage and you hope for the best. However, I think that it's so important, at least I know in my own marriage, it's really important that I know that I have my own money, that my husband knows that he has his own money, and then what we have our money that we can use for the household bills, etc. Exactly. And in my personal opinion, well, one of the biggest things, as we know today, speaking from, you know, your parents, they would still be married to this day if Papa was still alive. But, you know, they, uh, the back in the days, you know, 50, 30 to 50-year-old marriages were not uncommon. Today we know that divorce is beyond 50%. It's just, it seems divorce is almost like dating with people. But one of the biggest uh, things in a relationship noted as what couples fight over the most and what is one of the biggest leading things to divorce is financial matters. Most of the time because uh, someone in the house uh, works or stays inside the home, outside the home, different financial situations. So really that's something people need to discuss getting uh, before they get married. And a wedding to-do list generally covering you know, the photographer to writing thank you notes, uh sets up a business thing as well. So you should decide how you want to handle your financial affairs before you tie the knot, and you'll find that together you'll, that, um, you'll level flourish more because you'll kind of get this already set up. And, you so know, I want to just jump in there because I think what we'll do is do another whole show on this because I think it's such an important issue, and that's about prenup uh, agreements. Exactly. I, you know, again, in this day and age, I know my parents would have died at the thought of a prenuptial because when they got married, it was forever, and it was it, forever. You know, it kind of takes away the romance and the... But, you know, it, it in reality, the thing it really of, uh, I'll love you forever, but just in case, you know. But it's a smart idea, so I think that we'll, we will uh, talk about prenuptial agreements as a safety net for the protection of your assets in the case of an unwelcome turn in your relationship on another show. So for this show, let's talk about the importance of perhaps opening your own checking account, each in your own name, and then having a joint savings account or a joint checking account that you can pay the bills from because by doing this, you're sharing the expenses like food and housing and utilities and insurance and joint vacations, and, but at the same time, you can make your own investments and you always know that you have a cushion. Exactly, and that's kind of the whole thing of getting into a marriage. There's that sense that you do lose one sense of your identity and gain another. So when it comes to your financial, you need to gain that too. By all means, I think it's great to get a joint account when it comes to the joint expenses. You know, that means the mortgages, the house, things that are associated with the two of you together. But at the same time, it's very important to have separate accounts. So then you can do if, you know, a male or a female, if someone wants to go shop, they, it saves the hassle of the argumentation of you just spent $1,000 on clothes when we need to pay this and this bill, you know. So kind of more the friskier things. And also if you, the two of you, uh, if you're working, if both of you are, are working and having different financial things, your money, when you work for your own money, it can that kind of sense of ownership that you want to, you uh, 
you don't mind how you spend it, but you become a very a bit more territorial how someone else spends your money. Well, I want to tell you, you know, I, a good example of that is when your dad and I first got married, and of course now we've been married forever, it seems, is because I grew up in a family where my both my parents they had one joint account. I always thought the man would take care of the bills. We'd have one account. There'd be no problems about money. Uh, my mom, even though I grew up in a poor family, my mom always just wrote her checks and there'd be money in there because my dad would make sure of it. There was never like give me a, an allowance. But when I got married, it was just the opposite. I'd put all my money into this joint account and then my husband would say to me, we have no money. And it was like, what do you mean we have no money? I just put my paycheck in there. Well, you know, he would go, he would buy clothes or he would buy things for himself and then he would say we'd have no money. So it became evident to me that I needed to take over the bills and that we each needed to have our own account because I didn't care about buying clothes. I wanted to buy plants and I wanted to buy food for my animals. So we had different desires and by having a joint account where we each put a certain amount in every month then if he decided we didn't have any money, I could always say, well, I have money in my account. And that really worked out to be, a, you know, it's a great way to do it because I, you always feel like you have some power. And that was one of the ways in the old days that many men kept women under their, uh, what do you say, under their thumb by not exactly. giving them any and, money. And actually, and another thing also to consider so that both of you don't come um, into trouble is separate credit card accounts. If one, it's, it's good to have a joint credit card towards the joint account, but then still maintain those separate accounts because one of you may be very good at managing the financial, keeping things, but another person could be bad and it could affect your credit history, your credit rating, and then that could affect the both of you when it's time for you to buy a house or buy a car. If one of you has got you, got, um, got you into financial difficulties because, uh, they were bad with the credit, gets you a bad credit card rating, that's going to affect the both of you. So it's good that if, um, unfortunately, if one person is bad, but if one person's good, the good person can keep you guys in a good credit standing and be the person that the thing's names go into. But if everything is in a joint credit card or joint account and one person fails to maintain that, it's going to affect the both of you. See, now that's a really, really good point. And also, I think it, just even for record keeping and for taxes, it's good to know, and especially, again, because both men and women are working in the workforce today, you can have business, business expenses that wouldn't necessarily be on a joint account. So you really need to have things separate. And this is the, why you would have yours, mine, and ours. You may even want more accounts. It also goes over to your savings account or investment accounts. For example, if you uh, have a broker, instead of having a joint brokerage, you, it's probably best in this day and age to have separate, um, separate, separate stocks, bonds, etc., separate uh, brokerage accounts, whether it's with Fidelity or Schwab or your local bank, whatever. But in that way, you'll be able to maintain your individuality, have good equality in the relationship because you both will have money to contribute. But uh, as you said uh, at the top of the segment, it's really important that you start talk about, uh, talking about this before you're married and before you're in a partnership. And if you're already in a partnership, start the discussion now. Exactly. One really great thing to do, uh, I know it seems you know, when you're in the hustle bustle of even creating the wedding, how much stress that is, but before marriage, you should probably meet with a financial advisor to kind of set a game plan up for your guys' 
beginning life and also designate a job uh, when it comes to your financial of who's going to look at the bookkeeping. Keep an idea so that these surprise things don't come up of, you know, we we put in, we set up an account with $10,000 and now we're in debt, 15000 How did this happen? Keep excellent records of that thing. You know, it used to be the nitpick of where you had to keep every single receipt and it was so hard where, you, you know, you look like a pack rack by the end of the year. Now in the mountain day of uh, technology and websites, and and that they have people out there financially that they can keep track of everything for you. That's so important so that you can keep track of these things, so that you don't run into these argumentations and these debts that maybe only one of you caused, but it's going to affect the both of you. Well, and um, you brought up another good point. Is we also have online tools today. You can buy Quicken. You can buy QuickBooks. These are uh, software programs that are very inexpensive that will help you keep track of all your finances. And I think that's a really great way to do it so that, that, you, that everyone in the family that has um, any finances, that you have a fiduciary a responsibility to balance your checkbook, to readjust your finances, to make sure that there is equality because you know, if if uh, if the woman is making half a million dollars a year and the man is making fifty thousand dollars a year, it wouldn't be right if she is driving a Mercedes, you know, and he is he's he's driving he's on a bicycle because he can't afford a car. So it's important that if you're a couple, <laughs> you know, if you're a couple, that even though one of you is making more, that you're both. A contributing a, a percentage into the pot so that your lives are are equal because money can really really destroy relationships and it is the number one cause of um, for richer or for poorer that's exactly right it's the number one argument when people go into counseling it's uh, over money is that there's some kind of equality in that so very very critical to uh, to maintain that you know that normalcy and to make sure that everybody has enough. But again, I my belief is you need to have a ours, yours, and mine. It's kind of like what I always said when I had a banner on our wedding is that together we are three: you, me, and we. That makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. So to wind it up, you know, consider that it's nice if no one married for money, but money does lead to marital difficulties. So you want to start now before you get married or before you live together to articulate your vision of a financial future. Money can't buy happiness, but it is a good start to financial fitness to create a yours, mine, and ours. And you can do it if you will take charge. So... Heather, I hope that um, this is a lesson for all of us. This is always a lesson, and it's also a springboard of so many other Chief for Twos we cannot wait to bring to you and further divulge on all of this. And also, uh, speaking of money matters, if maybe you have a little extra money, you would love to donate to the charity, to the website, to the radio show, maybe possibly buy some new books and rich and make your mind uh, even more prosperous and full, you should go to our website at www.stelladonna.com. That's S-T-E-L-L-A-D-O-N-N-E.com. And you can find all the information we talked about today, archives, the shows, the charities, the websites, all that. Get involved.
Thank you. Absolutely. Well, and, and I know that you're winding down with a semester at school, so best of success to you. We want to thank all our listeners. Thanks so much for tuning in every week. Thanks to our great engineer, Jeff. He makes us look good. We appreciate all of you allowing us into your life. Make sure you're tuned right here every week with me, Cynthia Bryan. And me, Heather Brittany. We like to be your personal growth success coaches and offer you the expert advice, fun, success, and renowned authors and books from around the globe. You can change your life and make your dreams come true. For more information about Star Style, visit star-style.com. Again, to make a donation to Be The Star You Are charity, go to be the star you are.org. And as you go out into the day-to-day, remember that no one has ever walked this earth with your exact combination of inborn and acquired strengths, weaknesses, skills, talents, and experiences. You are one of a kind. You are you. You have the power to love yourself and become the person you want to be. You already are a star, so take a look in the mirror and admire yourself. You're a wonder of creation. Our aim is to encourage, inspire, inform, and motivate. Cherish the past, dream of the future, and celebrate each moment of your life. And please read a book this week. It is like a garden in your pocket. And until next week, when we all celebrate again, I'm Cynthia Bryan. And I'm Heather Brittany. From Star Style, we're thanking you and encouraging you. Be the star you are. See you next week. Thanks for joining us. Show the world your